Hi, I'm Siggy, born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario, and now living in the nation's capital of Ottawa. And I'm Jazzy, born in Manila, Philippines, raised in Toronto, Canada, and schooled all over southwestern Ontario. You're listening to the Holo Holo Podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and the Filipino-Canadian life. We at the Holo Holo Podcast acknowledge that our creative project spans these areas and territories and are grateful for the traditional knowledge keepers and elders who are with us today, those who have gone before us, and the youth that inspires us. We recognize the land and benefits it provides all of us as an act of reconciliation, as recommended by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's 94 Calls to Act and gratitude to those whose territory we reside on, work on, or are visiting. I'm podcasting for the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin and Anishinaabeg people. And I'm podcasting for the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently the Mississaugas of the Credit River. It's our main episode for this month, November, that we are devoting to Star Wars. And on this main episode, we are talking about the early Empire era, which is between episodes four and five of the Skywalker trilogy or the Skywalker saga, as Disney is calling it. Uh, But before we do that, Sigs, let's catch up. What have you been up to pop culture wise? Well, I wanted to bring something up just for something to keep on our radar or just quick mm-hmm. thoughts. I know that the news has been barraging us with information, mm-hmm. sharing information of stories that are the situation in the regions. Right. I know that we haven't really discussed it. Right. But you and I have been talking offline or whatever. And perhaps I guess this may be a discussion that we have in February. Yeah, I think our listeners should know that Sigs and I have been talking about the situation in the Middle East region. And because of that, we really wanted to put some time and effort into thinking about that. And usually February Social Justice Month. And so listeners, you should know that we will be thinking about how do we lean into difficult dialogues with respect to what's happening in world events today. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Sigs. Oh, no worries. Lighter side of things. Mm -hmm. I have fallen into, you know, there's been a lot of podcasts out there. You know, they have stars from a show. Right. And they would start re-watching episodes. So, like, this is what you missed on Glee. You have Jenna Uskowitz and Kevin McHale watching seasons of Glee. Right. The one I stumbled on was just Jack and Will. So, Sean Hayes and Eric McCormack have Mm. been watching Will and Grace season one. There's nuggets of gold in their podcast. It's really funny. They bring on writers, um, James Burroughs, the director mm-hmm. of yes, all those yes. episodes, Deborah yeah. Messing. And yeah. they give very thoughtful, they read like, they do cold script lines, they do cold readings <laughs> of the script. And yes. they give you behind the scenes stuff where, hey, did you remember this? Or it's very funny to hear Sean Hayes, I didn't understand that pop cultural reference. So he had to look stuff up. <laughs> And he goes, I oh really, God, I and, you know, and it's cute because Sean Hayes is like, I mean, I was so young. I was in my 20s. I didn't understand. So <laughs> it's a, I wanted to recommend it to you because you'd probably be like, oh, my goodness. Like, it, it's a great thing. And maybe we'll revisit in our when we open up the vaults and stuff. But it brings back like the 90s when it first dropped and a lot of like really interesting behind the scenes, like juicy stuff. They even had like a writer that was released. And they didn't even realize that got yeah they there was a writer that wrote for Ellen I forgot the person's name and they were on for one season uh huh and then they had lost their job after and they didn't even know like the wow. information about that too it was just oh. really interesting and like remember those fabled tales where Will and Grace was doing really well and they did well because of their reruns in the summer right. not because of their first drops right and then they got cars remember yeah. the, the yeah I do remember that cars. yeah that's and they right. were totally like what did they give us. They gave us cars. Wow. And I think Sean Hayes traded his car in. 
for the money. Well, yeah. Is it like, I'm sure. I need an apartment? <laughs> yeah. Well, and probably it would cost them a lot of money just to store the car, like unless you exactly. actually could make the money. So, yeah. well, and folks, this is the point of why there was the strike out there for the writers, subsequently the actors, which by the way, the actor strike is over. You've got more to check in with us in terms of pop culture catch up and stuff like that. Well, this is what I wanted to know. After yes. we did the taste test of morning show season three, did you watch it? I did. did. Catch up? Oh my gosh. So can Hot. I just say something? Hot, yes, totally. go ahead. So in fact, we just finished watching episode nine and 10. And yes. this just shows you how out of the loop I was on like when it actually ended because I thought episode seven was the season finale because it oh felt gosh. like the season finale. And then right. suddenly it was like, oh, there's three more episodes. And it was like, what? You know, because it had not dropped at that point. And I just yeah. totally forgot it for three weeks. And it was yeah. like, oh my God, I watched episode eight and it felt like the season finale. I watched episode nine, totally felt like the season yeah. finale. Episode 10, it was like, oh my God, they totally... Well, Flipped it again, right? Now I know episode 10 was indeed the season finale because it said season finale and then blah, 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 blah. And yeah, then exactly. on, on Apple Plus television. But right. yeah, fantastic. Oh my good. It was quite the pacing on those three episodes. Like we're breakneck speed. What was going to happen? How are they going to whip up the votes? Who's going to fall where? Is Alex Levy going to be on the right side of things? great it was a great wrap-up to a season three with like a bunch of new characters and you know how everything was gonna fit into place i take oh, yeah. it that obviously you watched it too you must have enjoyed it just as much as yeah I, I wanted to know your thoughts i know he had texting me going oh my god hot i'm like yes very yeah hot. totally but just them the power plays or whatever and they really played it right till the last minutes right Right, they totally did and they gave you a little bit of a denouement with like two weeks later and you're like I don't know what's going to happen season four. Yeah, I think it'll be very interesting. So we will tune back into the morning show. Apple TV. Yes. Tell us, tell us what happens next time. Yeah. I want to know, but I do think obviously Alex Levy is going to be on the boardroom table at some point. So she's going to be calling the shots. The question then is what's going to happen with Corey and is he outside of UBA, NBN, whatever this, and is he going to sneak his way back in? Stella and Mia are obviously going to be there. And then what's going to happen with the FBI investigation with Hal and Bradley? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It ain't going to be good. No, like maybe she has to do community service and do news in Texas or something like that. I have no idea. But... I can't yes. wait for it to come out, but it's probably going to take, what, two years before it comes out? Because well, I know. Everyone, strike, well, like you said, you know? the strike is over. Let's turn over to you. What are you up to pop culture-wise? Yeah, I've been, as you know, following the strike and the Hollywood labor movement, and we had covered that in our October episodes. And it's just been great to see the strike over. So I hope they've got what they've wanted. Clearly, they seem to be happy. I haven't mm. any, heard anything from Fran Drescher. It's always like... Fun to think of Fran Drescher as the SAG actra president. Well, no way. <laughs> kind of unexpected, but at the same time, perfect person to be the spokesperson for this. <laughs> so I don't know what the details are. I, I think that the details have yet to be released, but I remember mm-hmm. it was AI and all of that stuff. Now, they did talk about the fact that the December month was going to get in the way of the actors coming back to the studio, which is fine, Mm -hmm. but it does mean production is probably going to start ramping up in January, which means we probably won't see something at the earliest until the summer. Late spring? Like April spring? Yeah, late spring if they rush things, yeah. 
But you have noticed right on the Instagram, like the whole cast of Barbie was like, okay, we're so glad to share you behind the scenes. So all you see are behind the, behind scenes, the scenes now. I saw Cindy Yeah, like, Lou I'm so sorry you missed this. Stuff. Like, Cindy yeah. Lou threw stuff. Yeah. Like, Anna Cruz Kane, Filipino. Like, yes. she shared stuff. Or even like Michelle Buteau goes, I released a show called, you know, Survival of the Thickest. There was a great cast, and people are just sharing the <laughs> stuff that you were holding on to. And you're, yeah. you're like smiling. You're like, oh, they just want to release and share all the goodness and all and the hard disseminate work the stuff. Stories they're trying to yeah. tell, even the behind mm-hmm. the scenes. Yeah, we're gonna have to wait. It'll be worth the wait, but oh, it does mean it gives us a chance to kind of catch up on other good pop culture goodness. What else have you been watching? I have finally finished watching Wheel of Time season two. As you know, I'm big into fantasy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And this has kind of satisfied my craving for anything like Game of Thrones or uh, Lord of the Rings or anything related to those things. Now, it's not the same. And sometimes I get kind of thrown off by the fashion because it's kind of like this looks like partly our time and partly somebody else's time. But (laughs) either way, it's been fun to watch. Oh, what's her name? Rosamund Pike. Rosamund Pike, yeah. Rosamund Pike playing Moraine Aes Sedai in this kind of fantasy world where women like Moraine Sedai or Rosamund Pike playing this character can tap into what's called one source, which then allows them to transform into power. But when men take this power or tap into this power, they go crazy after a while. So it's an interesting reversal. And they're looking for the dragon who is someone that's going to ensure another 3000 years of peace. So long as he defeats the evil ones or whatever they're called in the actual fiction itself. Now I have to say the first three or four episodes, it was like, the group of six or five characters got split up and their chance was to mm-hmm. try to kind of get back together again. It took a bit of time. So it took me a bit of time to get back into it. But once we got to the last couple of episodes, it started to kind of pick up and we saw where all the pieces were. So it's renewed my interest. And now it's like, okay, I hope you release the season three. And again, with the <laughs> actor strike and the writer strike and all of those delays, it's like, oh, I'm going to have to wait another couple of years. So that's That's what I've been into (laughs) pop culture wise. So speaking of fantasy, as you know, my favorite fantasy of all, which is really (laughs) science fiction and fantasy is Star Wars universe. And I'm so glad that the month of November has really been dedicated to the Star Wars universe. And just to kind of remind our listeners, the original Star Wars franchise started Mm -hmm. with the Skywalker trilogy. And so that's known starting with episodes four, five, and six. So New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, then followed by one, two, and three, and then later seven, eight, and nine with Rey Skywalker and the cast. Now, that has been kind of like the framework for all of the Disney franchises that have come afterwards. And the timeline has worked off of these, if you will, nine films. So what are we looking at today? We are looking at what I'm calling the early empire era and i just liked it because it's eee right (laughs) and just in case any of our listeners are wondering what tv series have been involved in the early empire era it is the bad batch kenobi and andor which occurs between episodes three and four which is revenge of the sith which is episode three and then of course what started it all a new hope which is episode four and in this particular time period we see the jedi order defeated and what is left are just remnants and we see anakin skywalker aka darth vader at this point and mm-hmm. his children with padme being split up and hidden across the galaxy. So we see Luke being on Tatooine and Leia being on Alderaan. 
And we eventually see what is called the rise of the empire occurring at this time. And we actually also see that the Jedi are on the run. So let me just kind of summarize the three series in this case, and then Sig, you and I can talk a little bit about your exposure to all of this. But the first of these three, The Bad Batch, which is an animated, tells the story of Clone Force 99, which is a special force with happens to have genetic mutations that are different from the regular clone troopers that we saw in episodes one and two. And what's really special about this group of ragtag clone troopers is, is that they were immune to Order 66. Now, Sigs, you might not know this, but Order yeah. 66 was this activation biomodification kill switch in all of those white clone troopers. And when okay. the Empire turned them on, when the evil Emperor turns it on, they then turned on the Jedi and started killing the Jedi. And the Jedi were practically Ooh, uh. almost de decimated at this point. But this Close Clone Force 99, which has like a number, like has Hunter and Tech and a bunch of other characters, have to take on daring mercenary missions to support themselves because they're on the run from the Empire because they're looking for them. Why? We mm -hmm. don't know. Maybe to exterminate them because maybe they know the truth about the kill order switch in all the other clone troopers. But along the way, they start to discover another cloning conspiracy. And so what's really interesting for me, at least watching this particular animated show, is that the series adds depth to the clone troopers in the Star Wars universe and shows really the atrocities and the disrespect that's paid to veterans of the war. Oh, wow, and that's pretty deep. Yeah. I think so, too, because what they show is they show these clone troopers who were used in this war between the separatists and the, you know, later the empire and what ends up happening or the Republic. And what ends up happening is, is, is that they discard them for eventually uh, stormtroopers. And you just see them treated all throughout really poorly. It's like they've been used in some ways. And it just makes me think about veterans, especially since November 11th have just passed and Remembrance right. Day. It makes me think, I wonder how they feel. I hope they don't feel as discarded as some of these clone troopers that we saw towards the end of episode three and beginning of episode four. Now, the second series, I think, in this early mm -hmm. Empire era is Obi-Wan Kenobi, which I have to say, of the three, this is probably my favorite. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi, what you see is you see him defeated and hiding being tasked with watching Luke Skywalker grow up at a distance. And we see him, a.k.a. Ben Kenobi, really demoralized on the planet of Tatooine, living in a cave that finds himself called to action by Bail Organa, or Senator Organa and his wife. And the reason why is this is because the young Princess Leia has been kidnapped as a ploy to lure Obi-Wan out of hiding by these Inquisitors, which are trying to hunt the last remaining Jedi in the universe. After what I had talked about with the Bad Batch, where there was this kill order mm -hmm. switch to kill all the Jedi. So at Bale's urges and insistence, Obi-Wan eventually responds to the call to action and sets out to find Leia. Now, what I love about this series is that it explains why and how Princess Leia calls upon and knows Obi-Wan in episode four of the Star Wars and New Hope. And there's mm -hmm. always for me that famous line in episode four where she says, R2-D2, yeah. in a recording, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. And now this just adds context and meaning to that statement and phrase. So when all else fails, call a Jedi. So for me, the story of Obi-Wan Kenobi is really about kind of fleshing that 
relationship out between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Princess Leia. And I thought it was a beautiful story. And I want to know a little bit what you thought about that. And the story of Obi-Wan is also how he's a reluctant master, a reluctant teacher, a reluctant Mm -hmm. Jedi. But eventually he does the right thing and steps up to the role despite not feeling ready. And in some ways, I think he's quite brave. In other words, he like acts in the face of fear. And I also love Obi-Wan because he represents the uncle of the franchise. Something, of course, that I deeply relate to. Oh my God, that's so you. You know, but he is totally the uncle, like looking Mm -hmm. after Princess Leia when called to or Luke and really wants to be a part of these kids' lives. So in some ways, I kind of feel like Obi-Wan Kenobi is my spirit animal or the character that I would map myself onto. Now you got to watch Obi-Wan Kenobi. Curious to know what you thought of all this. Well, it's so funny because you're like, which I was like, which one should I watch? Like, and you didn't even flinch like Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So no clue. So I started it and I totally dove in. Now here's the thing, listeners. I remember hearing directors and producers saying when they generate a movie, a movie is really like five hours long. And I'm like, Really, that seems really excessive where you don't know how to edit. Watching these episodes, and I call them episodes, I feel like I was watching a movie. Yeah. I think I would have sat through or taken a 10-minute break between each episode. Like, I really liked it. It was so, I think it harkened to when I originally saw Star Wars. Mm. He seemed so grizzled and just like, just trying to deal with life. And defeated. Yeah. You know, like, remember Logan? Like in Wolverine, like when he's just like, you know, then you have this young thing, but like the relationship between him and Leia is just so sweet and she's so perceptive and she has her wits about her and questioning, well, why are you here? You don't need me. I'm bait. Why? What's going on? And he's trying to prove to her like, no, I, I need, I need to help you. I need to save you. I need to make sure you're safe. And with her running through the markets and stuff and he's just chasing her. And I love how she's like, I almost fell to my death. And you yeah. finally used the forest to help me. Like she was just, <laughs> I know it was humorous, but enlightening. And it, it was highlighted where I think it was episode four, where she just clasps his hand and they yeah. look at each other. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, that was just so heartfelt. Like I just, I, I didn't expect to like it. And that's why I was like, no wonder. And you just, you've known me for so long. Yes. You know what I yes, like yes, to watch. Yes, so when I was right. like, Oh, this is why obviously just didn't flinch. You need to watch Obi-Wan go. And I'm like, okay. But it was wonderful, and it was wonderful to see the backstories of Anakin. Mm-hmm. And just he was coming in blazing like a hot totally. totally. Going, I'm going to make you suffer. You threw me in the fire. I'm going to throw you in the fire. Like exactly. just to like get it. But like, and the star power, like Kamal Nanjiani, Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, yeah. O'Shea Jackson, yeah. Meyer Erskine. Like there was great cameos, but like it was gritty. But like it was just. It flowed like a movie to me. I didn't well, feel like it needed to be episodic. I loved it. I really thought it was so entrancing. Go ahead. Fun fact is yes. they originally conceptualized it as a movie. However, be yeah. because Solo, Han Solo, that origin story of, of him, mm-hmm. didn't do so well at the box office, Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm really put a pause mm-hmm. on all development and decided, you know what? We need to tell Obi-Wan over a period of time and also be more than just the two and a half hour or even three and a half hour long mm-hmm. feature film. Could they have probably told that story in a movie? Sure. And it was cinematic as you were talking. Oh, it was a limited series, right? It did not feel episodic. Right. It right. really did it. It made me want more. And like the characters that came along for the ride, like I just want to, Indira Varma, who played Tala Durith, 
Yes. Who sacrificed herself at that last second. Like, yeah, she was, I just love the way she spoke, the accent. She's like, okay, we'll get you there. I'll get you to the path. Right. Don't worry. Yeah. Like, go, just go. And then what did she say? May the force be with you. May the force be with you. No, sorry. My apologies for any spoilers, but before her, her sacrifice, I'm not going to say demise. It was a sacrifice. Yes, it was a sacrifice. And even just the little stuff, like the reluctant master is, can outwit Anakin and yeah. there is an escape pod where you're thinking it's going and you see Darth Vader oh, just trying to do it. Such a great ruse, oh, And the, yeah. there's a ruse. Then you see the other one escape and I'm just like, yeah. that's right. Can't fool me, son. We're crotchety and old. I got behind you, right? That's like, exactly it. Because he knew brilliant. that he would be coming in hot and he was going to be aggressive. Exactly. Like what he said, he says, Obi-Wan says to Anakin slash Darth, your quest for victory your desire for victory blinds you and that's exactly what happened and he took advantage of that he took advantage of that yeah love the series and i'm so glad that you kind of it was uh, an excellent recommendation and i highly recommend if you have to watch it it's cinematic regardless of it's only six episodes but like kuya it was a wonderful watch and i mean it's you and mcgregor oh he's lovely all the actors o'shea jackson like kumail Indira Varma again, and the little girl that plays Princess Leia is just a button. She's she wonderful. She's a fantastic find. She yeah. is no- nobility. She emulates Carrie Fisher, must a little shed a little tear because that's totally. a lovely actor. I totally lovely believe actor. that that was like a younger version of Carrie Fisher playing Princess Leia. There, I just have to say though, there's this one moment where she's like being held captive by one of the Inquisitors and yes. says, I am a princess of Alderaan. Right? You, you know, you're going yeah. to pay. The army's coming for me. And I was just like, you go, girl. Like, I, I know that that wasn't happening, but it was like, you go, girl. Yeah, she, in the us. face of fear. She's yeah. like, I'm not going down. And yeah. I'm like, she's yeah. just this. And I love when she put the holster on. Oh, yeah. And her mom's like, Loved oh, it. it looks good. She's like, thank you. Like, yeah. it just, it was lovely. It was a wonderful treat. And I think, and I have to say, with the, the, the past month for you making me going into Ahsoka, wonderful also. It was yeah. it, it was quite pleasurable. This, uh, I'm, Star so Wars glad. I'm so I glad that you, that you've liked those two series. And I have to say, it just makes me want more of Obi-Wan Kenobi. The interesting part in all of this is, is that there's is, is 10 it? more years to tell before Ooh. we get to episode four. So they can tell a whole bunch more other stories as he goes off into the desert of Tatooine with now his oh. master that he can now commune on the other side that he wasn't able to do since his exile. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see. I hope they do that. There's no confirmation if they're going to actually get into a series two or a series three. Would love to. And in fact, I think that they could tell more stories and oh, then we yeah. can see more face-offs between him and Darth Vader. but. Either way, fantastic, fantastic. The last of the Disney series that is in this kind of early Empire mm-hmm. era is also Star Wars Andor. And what okay. I want to say about that is very different Star Wars television st- story because this one tells the story of Cassian Andor, who is mm-hmm. a thief who then eventually gets recruited to be part of a heist to then later become wrongly apprehended by the emerging Empire. That, of course, leads him to eventually plotting to break out of prison and a realization that doing nothing about the evils of the empire is worse than anything else. Yeah. And it tells it in a cloak and dagger story style that I know that you like. Now, what's really interesting is, is that they usually release episode by episode week after week to kind of create that Mm -hmm. event programming television, but they had to release the first three episodes 
And at first I was thinking, why is that? And I have to say the first two episodes are pretty slow. But once you get to the end of episode three, then you mm. know where they're headed. And they needed to kind of do this slow build before it started to take off at that point. So filled with intrigue. We also see, interestingly enough, the counter story of Mon Mothma, who eventually becomes oh. the revolutionary leader of the rebellion. And we get oh. to have an extended look on the life of Coruscant. And as you know, Sigs, I'm very intrigued by the capital <laughs> planet in the galaxy yeah. of Coruscant. So anything more I can see of this, I guess it's the New York of North America, you know, in <laughs> some ways. And so, and as you know, Sigs, I can't get enough of that city. Well, oh my God. I can't get enough of Coruscant in a lot of ways. But I find this about you know, all Disney series with respect to Star Wars is it says Star Wars Andor, but it's also about Mon Mothma or Ahsoka, but it's actually about Ezra Bridger or how we're going to get Ezra Bridger out or Obi-Wan Kenobi, but it's like Leia's origin story in a lot of ways. So I think it's really clever what Lucasfilm and Disney are doing here. And Andor again, like just love the cloak and dagger approach. And instead of telling us a traditional space Western, which is kind of what all the other formats have been about, mm-hmm. interestingly enough, we're watching Star Wars, but in a very different vein in a lot of ways. So if you can get through the slow start, I say it's well worth it. It's a slow but delicious series and a burn burn of a series to a slow burn of a series as well. Now, the interesting part about these three is, is that these three series have the same theme of calling people to action or realizing that they have to respond to that call of action. Did you see that? Or did you kind of notice that theme emerging in Obi-Wan? It is. Obi-Wan? It, it, it yeah. was. And I think also, too, especially with Obi-Wan, like, we need to do something. You're in hiding, but we need your right. help. And there's other people that need to be guided off on the path and that we have to protect them. So, yeah, it was just like, we have to do something. You can't sit and not do anything, right? Yeah. And all of this kind of comes from this reminiscence of what I call the, or what is known as the hero's journey, which Mm -hmm. is people being called to an adventure. And in this case, the call to adventure is usually been met by reluctant heroes. Now, interestingly enough, if you watch episode four, five, and six with Luke, you see him being called to adventure. There's a little reluctance, but then he gets right into it. But these three series complete reluctance altogether. And in fact, there has to be a lot of coaching in a lot of ways. And I don't know, I think it's kind of more like that. You know, I like this updating of the hero's journey and the call to adventure where it's instead of meeting with a resounding yes, it's actually like, no, I don't think so. It's not for me anymore. (laughs) But yeah. You see Obi-Wan, or in this case, Cassian Andor, or the Bad Batch, really being called to take action. So that kind of leads us to our culture capital topic, which is being called to action. You know, And I think specifically, a call to provide action, at least for us, is all about the Filipino community. Now, I know, Sigs, you and I, and our kind of social justice work through this podcast, and really calling the Filipino community to action, sometimes there are things that get in the way of us taking action. And I've been kind of thinking about this and wanted to get your thoughts that Mm -hmm. sometimes some of us are reluctant to take action because we don't feel ready in some ways, or that we don't feel we can make a difference, or we think that taking action, we become too self-interested or not thinking about the greater community or greater good. I want to know from you, for the times that sometimes you have felt kind of called to action, especially where the Filipino community is concerned, 
Why do you think you've been reluctant? I know that for me, sometimes I felt reluctant because I feel, oh, I'm not ready enough. But what I've come to realize is, is that no one is truly ready to take up the call to action. We just have to be ready enough. And I always try to say to myself, you just got to keep getting ready because if you are ready, just as RuPaul would say, then you don't have to get ready in a lot of ways. <laughs> but being ready means being at least aware of what's going on in the Filipino community, or if we're looking at broader social justice movements, being aware of world events and educating ourselves and really thinking and turning our minds to the issue at hand. And you and I deeply think about how do we elevate the Filipino community? But for the times that you've been reluctant, you know, I wondered what has stopped you or gotten in the way, just like me, what's gotten in the way is feeling, oh, I have to be ready. But really, there is no complete readiness to take up action. I think with me or whatever, I felt like in the sense of ready or whatever, I just didn't feel educated enough. Like, who am I to say something? Right. You know what I mean? I'm not an academic. I'm not I'm not this like well-known subject matter expert on things. But I think from our discussions and from what we've been learning about getting ready, I think that we have to be open and that it's an ongoing learning experience. Like right. being called to action doesn't mean you're certified with a diploma and ready to go. Right. It's going to be a journey about learning and you may make mistakes and that's okay. Right. But sometimes, you know, when you're facing, okay, I got to do something. I have to, I, but I, I, who am I to go in and share my ideas or do, is my opinion so strong enough? Will it turn other people off? When you realize that sometimes it's just, Putting it out there is part of that battle. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. And I think to myself that we may think one thing, but if people convince us with reasonable arguments, Sigs, I've seen you reverse yourself and think, no, 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 I think differently now because of that. And I don't know that you have to be an academic. I don't know that you have to be a scholar, but I know that you're well read and I know that you can provide an analysis. And I also know that you base your analysis on principles, like good living principles, and you've mm -hmm. got a growth mindset, meaning you're open to learning, you're open to being challenged, you're open to hearing other sides. I think that that's really what matters. I don't know that it, we need to be experts, right? Mm -hmm. Yours is a very interesting take on being ready, you know? And I think mm -hmm. if we all waited to be experts on a topic, then none of us no would, action <laughs> there would be no action and we would right. be responding mm. to the call of action mm. i think the other reason why as i mentioned earlier that we don't sometimes respond to action is, is that we don't feel we can make a difference but i think sigs you and i have known that every little bit helps like i mean this podcast is a proof of that right you know we've put together this podcast and now suddenly we've got Hundreds of people listening to us worldwide, interestingly enough, from Dubai all the way to various parts of the United States, all over Canada and different parts of Europe and stuff like that. And clearly, you can make a difference. And when you are called to action, it's not that you won't make a difference. Any action you take will have some type of impact. Would you agree with that? I think so. And like there even has been sense where we've had colleagues that had said, hey, something happened. Mm. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Because remember the shootings happened in Atlanta? Yeah. And we had a colleague of ours just said, hey, do you guys have any thoughts on this? And you said, okay, let's talk about this. Right. And talked about it. And it was just, that person just said, hey, thanks. Right. I just they were wanted appreciative to hear. of it. 
Yeah. Yeah, and when I we were talking about the anti-Asian hate, yeah, back in yes, Georgia, that was the massage it. killing. Or that massage was it. I was couldn't remember shooter. what Paul it was. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and sometimes it just surprises me. I think to myself, oh, are we making a difference? And then we get an interesting engagement from some of our listeners. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, we are making an impact. We are shaping people's thoughts or helping add to their thoughts or helping them feel less alone. And I'm glad that we're doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, and so when we both felt called to kind of do this podcast, it's like, well, you know, will we make a difference? And I know, Sigs, you and I talked way, you know, five years ago thinking, oh, this is just for our family. Now it's like, it's outside of that. It's totally outside of that. Right. Exactly. So I think I just have to say that when we are called to action, can't dismiss or discount what our actions will do. And in fact, sometimes even the slightest message that we send out there can have the largest impact, very much a butterfly Mm. effect. Yeah, it's true. The other thing that I think happens in terms of being reluctant to answer the call to action is feeling too self-interested or not thinking about the greater community or greater good. Now, I think SIGs in her 20s or early 20s, we just had emerging awareness of that. But I think certainly now, especially as old Gen Xers, (laughs) I think we're realizing that we have to think about our community. We have to think about the next generation coming down the road. And sometimes when we respond to the call to action, we realize that there's more at stake than ourselves. And I think you would probably agree with that too. It is a bigger cause. And it's so funny as we say that we're older Gen Xers and we come into spaces are like, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Or this is important. Like, how do you navigate this? You've been through this before. Right. I, I want to hear it. And you're like, oh yeah, that, that, that's true. You know, we have generational wealth and it's valuable. Right? Yeah, that's what I I find now, especially after five years five years of this podcast. I'm like, oh, there's more. Yeah. yeah, I think there was a point in our times where we just kept our heads to the ground, but now that there's breathing space and we can kind of look up, when we do look up and we look around, we can't help but see other people that are struggling and where we can help them. We ought to help them and share what we right. have available. Because I think I've you've heard me say this before, sharing a flame does nothing to put out other people's right wick, you know? So it's like two candles in some ways. Like sharing our flame doesn't put ours out. In fact, it actually lights somebody else's flame in a lot of ways. So I think this idea of thinking about the greater community or greater good coming into our consciousness helps us ease the reluctance and realize that it's like, yeah, there's more at stake than just ourselves here. And once we realize that, we start to answer the call to action and and become less reluctant. Mm -hmm. I also think that challenging ourselves to think about how we are all in this together is also important. And I think sometimes in Filipino culture, there's this kind of kanya-kanya to each their own (laughs) approach, right? And this kind of bahalana you know, that's more in terms of fate, but really when you translate bahalana, like you're on your own type of stuff, And I think to myself, no, we're actually not on our own. We're all in this together, kind of like High School Musical, right? Oh my gosh. We're all in this together. And (laughs) helping others at the end of the day helps ourselves. And I believe that this can motivate us to take again the call instead of ignoring it. And I think it's kind of tricky because I think there's these constant messages around how resources opportunities, wealth is scarce. But Mm -hmm. I really 
think that that scarcity mentality prevents us from responding to the call to action. And you and I have talked a lot about that. Like, let's not feed into the scarcity mentality. There's actually more out there for all of us if we just make room for each other at the table is essentially what I think, right? Yeah. That's so true. So I think that kind of takes us to the fixing of the week, which is really respond to the call in any way you can. And that reluctance is really one of these things trying to stop us from actually responding to the call. We can't be stopped by not thinking that we're not ready enough or not well-read or not being the expert, or we can't be stopped by this idea that we can't make a difference. In fact, every action makes a difference, whether it's a supreme sacrifice that we saw of Talia in Obi-Wan Kenobi, or this podcast, or helping someone you know in the Filipino community. That makes all the difference. Even just some helpful advice can make all the difference. And getting away from this kanya-kanya attitude or Mm -hmm. thinking about the greater community or greater good or the greater Filipino community, that can also help us respond to the call to action. Any last things that you want to say before we kind of check ourselves out? No, I think that you really summarized that. You gave me some food for thought about call to action. And I, I sort of like the, the way that you address those factors of yeah. seeing for ourselves. And respond you're totally to right. Call. Respond to the call. In respond any way to the you call. Can. Yeah. Well, then I think you need to take us out. That's a good place to leave our listeners. For this we love email folks, loyal listeners, if you want to tell us what you thought about our Star Wars universe, step into this lovely month of November, email us at holoholopopculture at gmail.com. The Hollow Hollow Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, rate us, leave a review, and tell your friends about us. You can find us on social media. We're on Instagram at holoholopopculture. Finally, we receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth Badian. Our musical theme is by Teltering, and we'll see all of you guys again real soon. We'll see you guys soon. Can I just sing the Star Wars theme one last time? On Go one? ahead, take us dun, out for this month. Dun, da, 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 da,